0: You know a lot of software founders ask me hey how can we get started how can we scale quickly and what should we do about marketing well i talked with sarah noel block she's from tiny marketing and she is a genius at getting a b2b company off the ground and scaling it so that you can get a lot of perfect fit ideal customers coming to you she shares a lot of insight and some of her thoughts I really, really enjoy because they go against what the internet might be telling you right now, but they work really, really well. So take a listen. I want to see what you think.
1: Welcome to Sastory in the Making, the podcast that features the people who made the software world what it is today and the leaders who are shaping the future of technology. Here's your
0: host, Matt Wallach hello welcome i am matt you are listening to sastry in the making thank you very much for coming it's super exciting to have you here and i'm really delighted to introduce you to my guest sarah noel block sarah welcome
1: hi thank you so much for having me
0: absolutely thanks for being here let me tell everybody about what you are doing right now and who you are sarah so sarah is the founder and ceo of tiny marketing really tiny marketing merges account-based marketing and content marketing to increase your brand awareness with the right audience. And I know that that's super critical with my marketing when I'm not hitting the right audience. It is horrendous. It's horrible. It's painful. It's costly. So I love that she has that in her bio. But once again, Sarah, thanks for coming on the show.
1: Of course. It's good to be here.
0: Likewise. Great to have you here. So tell me what's going on with you lately and what's coming up.
1: All right. Well, lately... I would say, okay, in November, I started um, using my live stream as a podcast because I'm all about repurposing. So that's been what I've been consumed with lately is using my interviews from my old live streams into my podcasts. And um, it's the end of the quarter coming up. So I've just been head, just heads down working on content strategy for um, building out my quarterly content calendars for all of my clients. That has been my life.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Let's unpack a couple of those things. So, first, your podcast. So, what is the podcast? Let's pimp it right now. What do we got? Okay.
1: Uh, it's the Tiny Marketing Show. Okay. And um, it's everywhere you listen to podcasts, but I interview experts in content marketing, email, and social media. And everything is really through the lens of project management and streamlining your processes. So Beautiful. it gets a lot easier to create content and make it effective when you have a good process in place. Um, I work with a lot of small teams, so that's important.
0: I can imagine, and I love that you're preaching podcast or a process because that's what we preach as well, but from the sales side. So whereas you're mm-hmm. doing it on the marketing side, we are big on sales process. That's everything I work on with my clients as well. So I completely yeah. agree. If you actually want to grow, if you want to scale, you've got to have that process as mm-hmm. the foundation, right?
1: Amen. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> exactly. Um, and then creating the content. So tell me what exactly does tiny marketing do and and who are you doing it for?
1: Yes. I work with B2Bs exclusively And um, I create the content strategy all the way through the distribution. So we work on a quarterly basis where we create your your content strategy and your plan for the quarter, create it for you and distribute it. Make sure that your it's actually seen because you can create all the content in the world, but no one's going to see it if you don't have a good distribution process.
0: I totally agree. So tell me, what, how, how do you make sure that it gets seen? What are some of the best strategies for that?
1: Well, let's touch on what you said in my bio, the ABM approach. Mm-hmm. So that is bringing in partners into your content creation process. So you don't have to wait until you hit publish to start getting that distribution happening. Bring them in. Like right now, you're having me on this show. I'm going to obviously share it out when, when it goes live, this is part of what ABM is about. If you interview people who could be potential customers as part of your live stream, your podcast, uh, getting a quote on your blog or a guest post you're doing for Forbes or whatever, they're happy they're being spotlighted. You start building a relationship with them and it's a lot easier to start approaching that conversation of how you can potentially work together. So that's the ABM approach to content marketing. And then with distribution, you want to make sure to, well, to reach out to all of those partners that you worked with during content and make it easy for them to share, Um, giving them like a template of what they can put on a show notes page and embed your form and uh, the, the content, the link to your page. So you get that SEO juice from the backlinks. And then the obvious distribution processes, making sure it's going out where people are for B2B. That's LinkedIn is a huge one. And um, don't forget to put it in the LinkedIn newsletter, which gets like, I always get a traffic spike whenever I post a blog in the LinkedIn newsletter.
0: That's so cool. Tell us about the LinkedIn newsletter. How does that work and how do you post in there?
1: So if you have the article option in your LinkedIn, when like, when you're creating a post, you can create it as a newsletter and it distributes it to everybody who subscribes. And LinkedIn, this is pretty new. So LinkedIn really pushes this out to people. A lot more people see your content. And like Andy Crestadina of uh, Orbit Media, he's the one who told me about it. And he's getting like 40,000 hits on a blog post because of it each time he does it. I get like (laughs) 4,000, just a small percentage of what he gets, but it's still good.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. That's super cool. I, I LinkedIn messaged me about that as well, or gave me some email about that. And I was like, I don't know. So maybe we should look into that also.
1: Yeah. You know what? I did the same thing for like a year. I was like, eh, that's another thing. I cannot handle another thing. But then when I started to think about it from like a repurposing point of view that I don't have to create something new, it was a no brainer. And really, it was the best thing I did.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. and I love the idea of repurposing, but tell me about this live stream. So what is that? When do you do it? Where do you do it?
1: Yes. Um, it's bi-weekly and it's pretty much everywhere. Um, it's LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. It goes live across because I use StreamYard. So it shares it out everywhere. And um, yeah, it's every other week. I interview experts on there and it's, it's a good time. I always end up putting like the bloopers or the fun conversations at the end. So you get a little peek behind the curtain.
0: (laughs) Awesome. I love that. That's so cool. I think that, uh, that live entertainment and live informational content is so, so critical right now. So is it going well for you?
1: It is. It is. I think that people are, B2Bs are starting to recognize that B2B does not have to be boring and it could be fun and you can bring in your personality and I think SAS does that better than anything else they have like many of them have a personality behind their brand and they're doing it really well and I'm trying to bring that into all the b2b industries just more of like an edutainment experience and thinking of it more as um taking elements of like fiction narratives where you're bringing in a hook and you're having a cliffhanger at the end, make it really bingeable.
0: It's so cool. I like that idea the hook, the cliffhanger. You can use stuff from fiction. And I think it applies really, really well to reason why there's a reason why that all that stuff has always worked in books and, and movies for a long time. Exactly. But speaking on content marketing, why is that so important for a lot of different B2B companies, but in our world, B2B SaaS companies, why do they need content marketing?
1: Because they don't know who you are. Your audience doesn't know who you are yet. And content marketing gives you an opportunity to build that personality, that brand personality, educate them. You're adding value to them and that's what builds trust too. No one's going to spend their money on your product if they don't know who you are, they don't trust you, And you're just hawking your your whatevers to them, your tonics on the side of the road. And um, content marketing gives you that opportunity to build a relationship with them and earn that trust ahead of time. I think that content marketing and PR go really well hand-in-hand for SaaS in particular because you can borrow other people's audiences and earn that trust and bring them on over to you.
0: Very true, and I love the visual of hawking tonics on the side of the road <laughs> that's that was, amazing.
1: That was the visual I had in my head.
0: <laughs> I can just see it now that's a, that's awesome. but um you've mentioned repurposing a couple of times, and so for people out there, it's something that we do a lot. We love it. We repurpose stuff off of this show and others. But for those who don't know what we're talking about, can you just explain what repurposing is, and then what are some of the ways you can do that?:
1: Yes. So make so first I'm going to give you a blanket statement but then I'll explain make repurposing part of your distribution process. So let's take this show for example. We're doing it on StreamYard and there's a video and there's an audio component. You can you can download those as as the video or as a separate wave file. So this gives you an opportunity right off the bat to repurpose. You have a long form video, this interview will be like a half hour and you can break it up into four different micro videos that are more digestible for people who aren't looking for the entire interview and just want learning points. You can take the audio, make it a podcast. Obviously, that's what we're doing. (laughs) And then you can take little clips of that podcast and turn it into audiograms. You can take the topics that we're talking about in this episode and create blog posts inspired by it let's say we talk about three learning points on there. That's three different blog posts, combine those into an ebook or a guide for later. And I mean, there's a ton more you can do, but that's off the top of my head.
0: I love it. It's so true. And that's, that's what we do. So for everybody out there who's wondering exactly how they can do it. So we film a podcast a week, and like Sarah said, it's audio and on video, as, as you may see. The video we put onto YouTube, we have a YouTube channel. The video also goes on our blog, as well as a very long form blog article about what we learned in this episode. So all the amazing stuff Sarah's teaching us here is going to be written out in the blog based on the main topics that, that she's discussed. So it's really, really cool what you can do there. Then we take little clips. Those go on social. We write up a post on LinkedIn. We also have other social clips on Instagram, on Twitter. So all over the place, we're spitting out pieces from just this conversation. And first of all, it allows you to hit multiple different audiences on different platforms. Mm -hmm. But also it makes it so that you don't have to spend a lot of time and effort on your content, right? By, by taking right. that one piece and just regurgitating it and repurposing it, it means you don't have to sit there and think for days of all different types of new stuff to talk about, right?
1: Right. And it's all connected, obviously. It's, it's all stemming from one interview, but that means that you can link all of these pieces, all of these different pieces together and cross promote them. So if somebody's, you know, not really a video person and prefers podcasting, they can still find all of those different pieces in your show notes pages and everything is, um, is connected in a way that makes it easier to distribute and get more eyes on your content.
0: Totally agree. Totally agree. So speaking of content, what type of content converts? If you're thinking of, Hey, I need to get some of this market. I need to have them become customers. What, what converts?
1: Yeah. So I would say, it really depends on the company. Um, Yeah, that's the most annoying answer I'm aware, but I'll go further. (laughs) So I mean, eat all of your your audience is going to consume, they're all different learning styles, and they're going to want to consume content in different ways. So I'm not going to say a a video where a blog or a podcast is going to convert best. Those are honestly probably all closer to top of funnel where they're not going to convert. It's more about earning trust and starting a relationship, learning who you are. Webinars I have found are the highest converting and they can also be repurposed to death. (laughs) And um, so I would go I would go with webinars, especially partner webinars. That is that's where I get the most bang for my buck. If you have a a podcast or I'm sorry, a webinar where you're working with a partner that they share the same audience as you. Let's say it's a service company and a product company that are merging for the webinar. Your leads are going to go way up from that. The last three I've had, it's just been an influx of leads.
0: Wow. That's so cool. And I totally agree. I've, I've done that before myself with my companies and I've hosted them and I've been a part of them. I've even attended some others and you're right. It's super impactful, especially when you're with a partner and you're both targeting the same market. Mm-hmm. It, it, you, you can really drive a lot of interest if you run a good webinar.
1: Yeah. Anytime you can bring a partner into the fold and you guys share the same audience, it's huge benefits.
0: Totally agree. So when you're creating content, what's the type of content that really stands out? What 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 is something that kind of separates from the rest?
1: I would say... Whenever you can bring in your own personality into into the content, that's what really stands out. When people start to feel like they they know who you are, it makes a big difference. That's why I started adding in the little conversations we'd have at the beginning of the interviews and the bloopers so people could really see our personalities and get a grasp of who we are. I am a firm believer in repel and appeal. (laughs) So like, if somebody is watching it and they're like, that girl's annoying, I'm glad. <laughs> like, I want to <laughs> repel the wrong people. If you think that I'm, you know, that you couldn't stand me on a client call, then that's probably good that I <laughs> repelled you early on.
0: Yeah, good call. You don't want to waste your time going through a sales process with somebody who's never going to actually end up being a, a good customer or somebody who signs and then they're a horrible customer. Yeah. Both of those things would be bad.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people fall into the trap of trying to attract everyone and it ends up a disaster.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree. But Sarah, I can't believe anybody would be repelled by you. I mean, you are so <laughs> awesome and got great <laughs> insight, but I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So if you're thinking of SaaS companies, and I know you work with some of them, what are you seeing that are some of the biggest mistakes that they are making when it comes to marketing their products?
1: trying to copy other people, um, or other other SaaS, they see someone who is successful, they see a brand that's successful, and they try and emulate them. Mm -hmm. And then you just come across as generic, or you're creating content, but it's just sitting on your website, and you're not distributing it. So being generic and letting your content just sit on your website without any way of people actually seeing it, those are the biggest problems that I see.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that that uh, just being generic, being the same is not going to let you stick out. We talked about how can you separate, and that is absolutely a, a killer. I also look mm-hmm. at it as an, – and this is maybe coming from somebody who's worked in software companies for 15 years and helped and coached and guide them for many years as well. I, I've seen the inner workings of a lot of companies, especially some of the bigger, more successful companies. And I can tell you they don't always have it figured out. So if you're copying them, you might be <laughs> copying a bad strategy or a bad tactic. And that is definitely not something that you want to do.
1: <laughs> that is some good insider knowledge. Um, yeah. Yeah, sometimes when I'm interviewing other content marketers with SaaS companies, I start to realize that it it looked it looked put together on the surface. But they're, they're just testing and then doing what what works, seeing what works and then repeating it just like the rest of us. (laughs) It's all about testing and figuring it out. But what resonates
0: Yeah, I totally, totally agree. It really is all about testing and figuring it out. And you might be finding something that you're trying to emulate that's at the beginning of their test cycle, that Mm -hmm. they have no idea. They're just throwing stuff out there to see if it's actually going to work. And you now copy that and maybe never go back to them. And now you're doing something that never would work. You're wasting a ton of time and effort and money on that.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. You don't know their inner workings, their revenue. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I mean those big companies, they're they they have the capability to throw a couple million bucks at something and see if it's gonna work or not. Most newer companies do not do that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. It's for easy sure. to to see a company that has a huge budget and then like not really conceptualizing how it would translate for you, a smaller company. Yeah,
0: for sure, for sure. So with your own company, you've gotten great traction, you you got started, you grew quickly. Now, other than some of the things we talked about, what steps did you take to achieve that level of growth?
1: Well, first, let's talk about the myth that it was quick. <laughs> <laughs> it feels quick to everybody else, but um, really, I was building it on the side when I was working full time. So it was it, it was no quick process, no quick win. But I will tell you that the biggest impact was starting early with building my personal brand and um, partnering with people. So before I ever launched Tiny Marketing and I was just freelancing, I already started building my personal brand knowing that I was going to be building this business. And I started partnering with publications and product companies and doing webinars with them, joint ventures of all sorts, podcasts, live streams, and just building that reputation in those backlinks to my website while I was still working full-time and knowing that eventually that it would it would pan out it was and it really did my first I would say my first five clients came in from seeing me on something else on a partner publication or guest post I did and um it I mean when someone thinks to work with you they're going to Google your name. <laughs> and all of those different, um, those different media appearances I had early on are still showing up and makes it so I'm the first two pages of Google when you Google my name. And that's, that's really important when, when you're trying to get noticed. So all of that, all of that helped, I would say, the partnerships were the biggest thing.
0: Yeah, I, I love that. First of all, that you didn't just have it happen overnight. There was a lot yeah. of work and sweat that went into it prior to. Oh, look, she's a main success. But uh, it, it takes that that setup, that foundation. And I love that you talked about your personal brand. I don't think enough people are promoting their own personal brand. And I have a lot of people say, "Hey, I'm I'm just a director at a company, or I'm a I'm a sales rep. Should I be promoting? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You should still be promoting your personal brand. And by the way, people will come to you. And if you're a sales rep, you can sell them your product. You can get them interested in, in what you have and make sure that it's going to help them. So your personal brand can help you regardless of who you are. You don't have to be an entrepreneur for it to work. Of yes. course, it works great if you are, but it's not required.
1: Well, I think in sales, it's more important than anything. They're definitely Googling your name when they have a meeting scheduled with you. And if you can show yourself, present yourself as the subject matter expert on that solution, that you're providing, that makes all the difference in the world. I think it's most important for sales. I mean,
0: I totally. that's why it's totally important
1: for entrepreneurs because we're selling.
0: <laughs> Always selling. It's something <laughs> that a lot of entrepreneurs don't realize before they get into it, but they absolutely are. So I'm glad you said it.
1: <laughs> yeah. So uh,
0: Sarah, any last tips as we close out the show? Any last tips for software leaders, software founders who are wanting to grow and scale through marketing?
1: Yeah, I would say start first with PR. You don't need to start with what I do, creating original content on your own site and distributing out. Start with partnerships and PR. So you can get into um, publications that your audience is reading, borrow from other people's audiences by partnering with different product and service companies, and then go into content marketing because really getting those backlinks to your site is pretty important before you start creating your own content and getting that out there so you can really rank in Google.
0: I love it. That's great advice. She just laid out the path for everybody. All of you getting started, definitely follow Sarah's advice. Sarah, this has been awesome. Thanks so much for coming on the show.
1: Thank you for having me. It has been fun.
0: Likewise. It's been a great time. And for everybody out there, thank you. I hope you enjoyed it. Hope you got a lot out of what Sarah has been sharing here. Make sure that you are subscribed to the show. Hit the subscribe right now. Also, I'd be grateful if you put a rating on there. Let me know what you think of the show and then a comment to say, hey, this is something that helps you or something that you're looking for in future shows. That way we can direct future uh, content like we've been talking about towards what's helpful for you. So thank you very much for coming. Thanks for being a part of the show and we will see you next time.
1: All right, thanks.